because of that, from a retail investor perspective, that's where the opportunity lies, is the, the potential money flow that when these measures are able to invest in Canada stocks, there's an opportunity to provide a, a lift for the group when they come into the sector because they're not there now. So that's something that I want everyone to realize is that the very retail dominated stocks market is very retail dominated, especially here in the US. And because of that, I'm very optimistic of the future for the group. From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on Raising Cannabis Capital, we are continuing this year's Cannabis Investor Series with Matt Markovich, the Managing Director of the Cannabis ETF THCX. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here because the cannabis ETF, THCX, a lot of letters, is unique for a number of reasons. And I want to discuss and talk about all of those reasons. I also want to take a deeper dive into the cannabis public markets. But before we do that, you're the only ETF in this year's Cannabis Investor Series. So can you quickly explain how a cannabis ETF works? Sure. Again, thanks for having me on here and to, to all the listeners for, for tuning in here. So an ETF stands for Exchange Traded Fund, and it's a portfolio of publicly traded companies that attempts to give investors exposure to the legal global cannabis industry. Now, why do I say legal? When we launched this fund in July 2019, the SEC was very clear about none of the cannabis ETFs that trade in the United States, owning stocks that are plant touching. So in other words, no multi-state operators, Green Thumb, Cresco Labs, Cureleaf, Trulieve, et cetera, some of the larger MSOs that folks might be familiar with. So mm-hmm. at this time, we are not able to own that. But part of the other stipulation is that we're only allowed to own stocks on five exchanges around the world, that being Australia, the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, the Toronto Stock Exchange, and the Toronto Venture Exchange. Okay. So if a stock is not listed on any of those exchanges, we are not able to own it. By default, means that the, the MSOs that I mentioned, they're not able to list on those exchanges. Okay. Just a follow-up on that one. You can invest in plant-touching publicly traded companies that are on the Toronto Stock Exchange? Correct. So if it's Toronto or it's the TSX, or the TSX Venture Exchange up in Canada, then we are allowed to invest in those companies. Okay. If a company trades on the, the CSE, which a lot of the MSOs trade on the CSE, the Canadian, Canadian Securities Exchange, we are not able to own those stocks because nope. they also trade OTC in the States. Okay. So those are the over-the-counter market. And, and ETFs are not allowed to own over-the-counter stocks. I think a lot of people had a bad taste in their mouth about the public stocks, but do you think now is the right time to get back in? Is a better time to start establishing position. I'm not saying going all in, but any investment, you shouldn't make that investment all at once, right? It should be more of a gradual allocation. Valuations are more reasonable relative to growth expectations, both in Canada and, and the US right now. But risk assets, of which cannabis stocks are probably the most risky, they tend to get thrown out with the bathwater when other risky assets get sold off. 
Yeah. And you didn't even really mention the COVID effect. It's there. It's always there. How has it impacted some of your companies? What I find just a little perplexing is that you're talking about an industry that for years was living in the shadows, an extent still is in the U.S. It's been made a a legal industry. And all of a sudden, these businesses get deemed as essential. In other words, they were allowed to stay open during this pandemic. It's, It's really shocking that, again, when everyone's worried about, you know, airlines, obviously, uh, hotels, malls, those companies have suffered greatly. Yet there's the cannabis industry plodding along, <laughs> just ch- churning out record sales. And again, I still feel like investors just haven't taken notice. It's it's almost inconceivable a year ago where you would say, you know what, we're going to say cannabis is more important than Disney. What are you talking about? You're going to shut down Disney World, but we're going to keep all the cannabis open. Let's talk about investors for a second. The nice thing about working with is the liquidity aspect of it is that you can buy your stock in the morning and sell it in the afternoon. So there's not that long-term commitment. The other thing that I think I know is that you also provide dividends. Correct. Yeah. We actually pay a dividend, which I know might be a little head scratching to investors. The fact that a cannabis ETF distributes income where 95% of our companies aren't even profitable. So how are we able to do that? That's the real question. There's a strong desire from institutional investors and retail investors as well to short cannabis stocks. So in other words, they're betting that the cannabis stocks will go down. In order to short stocks though, you need to actually go out and borrow them. So there has to be someone who's a long holder from whom you go and borrow the stocks. We are a long-only vehicle. So short sellers will come to us to borrow stocks so they can short them. And the fund charges a rate to those investors to borrow stocks on an individual basis. And we take those revenues that are generated from lending, and we return the overwhelming majority of them to shareholders in the form of a dividend. I will say that the desire to borrow cannabis stocks has waned over the past two months which actually leaves me feeling fairly optimistic about the industry's future. Getting back to sort of your original question, is now a good time to get in? The fact that we're seeing less demand to borrow or short cannabis stocks is very encouraging. For as long as we've been running the fund, 14 months now, we've not seen this type of drop-off in demand from here. But again, that is something that I think a lot of investors maybe aren't aware of or overlook is the fact that the demand to short cannabis stocks is, is definitely lower now than it was a year ago. Yeah. See, that's a really good sign. I would think, and if, especially for our listeners right now, that's a real good tip for everybody that they, they wouldn't have otherwise known. We're going to wrap this up now, but I will have Matt's, the link to Matt's website and if anything you want to know about the cannabis ETF, THCX, it will be in the show notes. So if you want to follow up with Matt afterwards and talk offline with him, I'm sure he'd be happy to discuss this further with you because there's just so much more that we could talk about with you. Yeah, we could go down the rabbit hole. I I do want to end though, Dan, with sort of a a couple of interesting numbers. Currently, only around 9% of publicly traded cannabis market cap is owned by US institutional investors. That compares to around 68% of the Russell 3% of the S&P 500 stocks are owned by U.S. institutional investors. 
So there is a very low penetration of any big asset manager. You can kind of name it American Century, BlackRock, Vanguard. These firms do not have many cannabis stocks as part of their portfolios. And because of that, from a retail investor perspective, that's where the opportunity lies, is the, the potential money flow that when these managers are able to invest in cannabis stocks, there's an opportunity to provide a, a lift for the group when they come into the sector because they're not there now. So that's something that I want everyone to realize is that the very retail dominated stocks market is very retail dominated, especially here in the US. And because of that, I'm very optimistic of the future for the group. Oh. I'm glad you left us with that because I think that's really important. Because of the volatility of the cannabis public stocks, I think people are just a little wary of it. But to your point, the reason that there is so much volatility is because 91% is retail. So there's no backstop. You got it. Think about it like in the context of an Amazon or an Apple. If, If Amazon or Apple is down 10% over the course of a few days, there's always some marginal institutional buyer that's ready to sit there and say, you know what, down 10%, this, is, this move's not justified. I'm going to add to my position. There is no institutional backstop, by and large, from a U.S. investor perspective for cannabis stock. It's not there. That will change at some point. I'm not saying that 9% goes up to 68 or goes up to 80% like other large cap stocks or an overall U.S. market. But even if that's a double over the course of two years, that's a significant amount of money that will come into the space. Like I said, we'll let people talk to you offline. You can continue this conversation. Matt, great catching up. Thanks for all this information. I'm sure people are going to be interested to learn more about cannabis ETFs. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.